Well, God bless you, my beloved. This is Minister S.N. Crockett, Jr. of Jesus Christ, our Lord Christian Fellowship, coming to you on this evening, Friday, the 6th of December, 2019. We're going to continue our discussion about saying no to Satan's, Satan's sermons. We're going to talk about, we're going to continue to talk about uh, how Satan wants you to depend on your own righteousness and not the righteousness that's in our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. Satan wants you to depend on your own righteousness. He wants you to believe that you can come to God through your own goodness, your own righteousness, your own uh, good works, if you will. And that's just not biblically true. I'm going to talk about several verses of scripture tonight that deal with uh, Jesus Christ as being the righteousness of God, the only righteousness that God accepts. So we're going to talk about that tonight. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you, we bless you, we praise you. We thank you just for the privilege of mentioning your name, the name of your Holy Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, to whom be glory, power, majesty, and dominion, both now and forever. We ask that you lead us and guide us into the truth that is in your gospel, in your word. We ask that you sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth, O Lord God. We pray that we exalt your dear Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, to the highest pinnacle of glory. We thank you just for the privilege of mentioning your name. We pray that as a result of this teaching and preaching and teaching and preaching all over the world, we pray that fruit and gifts of the Holy Spirit will be manifested according to your good, acceptable, and perfect will by Jesus Christ, your dear Son, whom you bodily raised from the dead and set him at your own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, both in this world and in the world to come. We bless you. We thank you. We glorify you. We, again, we ask that you just bless the people, Lord. We ask that you give them a receiving heart, Lord God. We ask that they receive your word because we can preach the word and teach the word, but if they won't receive it, it does them no good. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of your dear son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen and amen. We're going to talk tonight from the subject having five eyes yet still blind having five eyes yet still blind i'm going to talk to you tonight about the parable of the pharisee and the tax collector the parable of the pharisee and the tax collector having five eyes yet still blind jesus our lord gave this parable <clears throat> this story if you will about a Pharisee, a religious individual in the Jewish nation and culture, and a tax collector. And um, there were Jews who were tax collectors for the Roman Empire, and they were considered to be traitors. And so he's going to give this parable of the Pharisee, the religious man, and the tax collector, who would have been despised by the Jewish people because he was collecting taxes for Rome. It would be the equivalent of me uh, working with the Ku Klux Klan. I would be despised by African-Americans because I would be considered a traitor, Uncle Tom, if you will. So Jesus in Luke chapter 18, beginning at verse 9, said, He spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Do you hear that? That's self-righteousness. Jesus spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. 
meaning they had a sense of self-righteousness and they looked down on other people. Now listen to this man here. Or Jesus said, two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee. I told you he's a religious uh, leader in the, in the Jewish synagogue, in the, church, in the Jewish um, religious structure. One was a Pharisee. The other was a tax collector, or the old King James Bible would call him a publican. He was a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. So he, he throws the tax collector under the bus. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Notice the five eyes. Let me go back and say it again. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other, other men, extortioners, like mafia types, right? Unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. So he had, there were five eyes he used, used here. That's why I call it five eyes yet still blind. He was, he was self-righteous. He tried to justify him in, himself in God's sight by his own goodness. And we know, those of us who study the Bible and who believe in Jesus, we know that you cannot justify yourself in God's sight by your own righteousness. You can only be justified in God's sight by trusting in the righteousness that's in his dear son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Now listen to what the tax collector said, who was, who was, who was considered despised among the Jewish culture because he was collecting taxes for the Roman Empire. The tax collector standing far off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Notice he didn't, I'm this and I'm doing that and I'm giving tithes and I'm a good person and I'm not an adulterer. I'm not a, I'm not a mafia type, a gangbanger like this, this guy over here. He says, he, he, he doesn't even raise his eyes to heaven. He simply asks God for his mercy. He's, and he acknowledges that he's a sinner. So he's repentant and he acknowledges that he needs God in his life. God be merciful to me, a sinner. That's it. No long 29 minute prayer. God be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, Jesus said, this man went down to his house justified, key word, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. The other being the Pharisee who said, I don't do this. I do that. I don't do this. I'm not like that guy over there. This man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Everyone who exalts himself through self-righteousness, I'm this, I'm that, I'm better than these people over here and looking down on people and 
I'm, I'm righteous, Lord, before you in my own goodness. Jesus said, everybody who exalts himself will be humbled. But he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, what was the point of that? The point of that was to show that man's righteousness is not acceptable to God. Your, your own righteousness, my own righteousness is not acceptable to God. Otherwise, why would he... Why, why, would, why would the Lord have sent his only begotten son into the world to die on Calvary's cruel cross for our sins? If our righteousness were sufficient, there would have been no need for Jesus of Nazareth to die on the cross. There would have been no need. If, if my own goodness, if my own righteousness is, is, is sufficient, then there was no need for this man named Jesus to come and die at Calvary's cruel cross to hang between heaven and earth as though he were fit for neither, there would have been no need for him to do that if my righteousness was sufficient. But here, my righteousness, your righteousness, not sufficient. The only righteousness that God accepts, the only righteousness that God respects is the righteousness that's in his dear son, Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. The only righteousness that God accepts and respects is the righteousness of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Now, there was a man who used to persecute the church when the church was young, about 2,000 years ago. There was a man who used to persecute the church and go after people who believed in Jesus and have them hauled off to jail and killed, etc. His name was Saul. That was his Jewish name. His Roman name, because he was a dual citizen, his, his Roman name was Paul. And he used to, he used to persecute the church. He was a, he was a persecutor of the, Christ, of the early Christian church. But one day when he was on the road to Damascus, Syria, with letters to the chief priest so he could continue persecuting Christians, uh, the Lord Jesus shined upon him from heaven and knocked him off his beast and the Lord Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul was persecuting believers in Jesus, but Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? Because Jesus identifies with those of us who, who follow him and who love him. Why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the gold, the prick, the old King James would say, the prick. It's hard for you to kick against this. It, it's an it's a agricultural term like an animal that's trying to kick against what its master wants it to do as far as, um, as, as far as, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? As far as uh, sowing the field, you know, how animals had to uh, break up the fallow ground, etc. It's hard for you to kick against the ox gold. It's hard for you to kick against what's going on here. And then, and then Saul said, you know, Lord, what would you have me to do? And then the Lord instructed Saul what to do. And then the Lord instructed a man named Ananias to go lay hands on Saul. And Ananias, after some initial reluctance, went and laid hands on Saul and said, Saul, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus has sent me to lay hands on you that you might know his will, etc. And Saul eventually uh, was baptized. Uh, he, he took some food because he hadn't eaten for three days. And he was strengthened. And the Bible says straightway, meaning right away, Saul preached in the Jewish synagogues that Jesus Christ is, is the Son of God, that he's Lord. The same man who had been murderously persecuting the church. Now, he, the Bible says that he straightway, 
he right away preached Jesus Christ in the synagogues that he's the son of God. It's the same thing with me. I got saved on a Sunday, May 20th, 1979, and I went to work the next day, May 21st, 1979, preaching Jesus Christ that he's the son of God. I got saved on, a, on May 29th, I'm sorry, May 20th, 1979, and I did look it up a couple of months ago. It was on a Sunday. I got saved on May 20th, 1979. I went to work the next day at the, at the base hospital because I was in the Air Force at the time. I went to work the next day preaching Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God because I had gotten saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. I went to work the next day preaching Jesus Christ, that he's the Son of God, preaching that we don't depend on our own righteousness, but on the righteousness that's in Jesus Christ. So once Saul got saved, he dedicated his life to preaching Jesus Christ. And Christ called him to be an apostle. An apostle is a, a, a missionary, a, a, a specially called missionary, a sent one, one who is sent by the Lord to go out and set up churches, etc. And the Lord would normally endow the apostle, a true apostle, with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, signs and wonders, gifts, working of miracles, raising the dead, casting out demons, speaking in tongues, those things associated with the Holy Spirit. So Paul ended up writing about half the New Testament. The New Testament has 27 books. Paul ended up writing about 13 of those 27 books. So he ended up being a great apologist, a great defender of the faith of, the, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He who, had, who, he who once persecuted the church, he who once uh, stood by and participated in either directly or indirectly uh, the uh, the execution of other Christians. Stephen, in particular, if you read in Acts chapter seven, when they executed Stephen, when they stoned him to death, uh, Paul was. Um, it, I believe it's in Acts. It, it starts in Acts chapter seven and continues in Acts chapter eight. I do believe. I think it's the end. Of, no, it's, it's Acts chapter seven, and then it ends in Acts chapter seven. When they stoned Stephen to death, Deacon Stephen, he was one of the original deacons. When, from Acts chapter 6, he was one of the original deacons. When they stoned Stephen to death, they laid their clothes at Saul's feet. So he was a participant in the conspiracy to murder Stephen. Yet the Lord called him and saved him, washed him with the washing of the word of God, sanctified him by the Holy Spirit, set him apart for his holy purpose, called him to be an apostle. Who, and, and Paul went out and set up and, 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 and set up uh, churches and, and the churches he didn't set up, he helped to strengthen. And he wrote about half the New Testament. Again, the New Testament has 27 books. Paul wrote about 13 of them. Now, 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 Paul said something. I want to read it to you. And this, I'm, I'm building up to what I want to say here. Paul said something uh, about himself. And, and, and what I want you to see in what I'm about to read to you, he talked about how, how many privileges he had as a leader in the Jewish nation, in the Jewish Sanhedrin, in the Jewish ruling council, if you will, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the whole Jewish ruling council. And he talked about how he was the, a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. 
and how he has sat at Gamaliel, the great lawyer, the great uh, um, religious figure, Gamaliel's feet, and how he, Paul was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was a Benjamite from the tribe of Benjamin. He had all these privileges. He had all this scholarly knowledge. Probably spoke, because he was a Roman citizen as well as a Jewish citizen. His Jewish name was Saul. His Roman name was Paul. He had a dual citizenship, just like some people today have a, a dual citizenship. They're, they're a citizen of the United States and maybe of Ireland or something like that. So Paul had a dual citizenship. His, his Hebrew name was Saul. His Roman name was Paul. So undoubtedly he spoke Hebrew. Undoubtedly he spoke Aramaic, which was the language of Jesus. Undoubtedly he spoke Greek. And undoubtedly he, he knew Latin. Latin, Hebrew, Greek, and then Aramaic, which, which would have been a dialect within the Hebrew language. Aramaic would have been the language of Jesus. And also Aramaic would have been the language, much of the book of Daniel, the prophet Daniel. Much of it is written in Aramaic. So Paul had all these privileges, all these academic accolades. He was a he was a, a a Pharisee of the Pharisees, a Hebrew of the Hebrews of the tribe of Benjamin. He sat at the feet of Gamaliel. He had all these privileges, but but I want you to listen to what he says in Philippians chapter three. He's going to talk about how all that stuff means nothing to him once he met Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Listen to what he says. In Philippians chapter 3, he says, Further, my brothers, so he's speaking to Philippian Christians here. He says, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. He says, Watch out for those dogs. He's not talking about dogs that bark, he's talking about men who oppose the gospel. He says, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. He's talking about the Jewish people who, who insisted on people being circumcised and keeping the law of Moses. And they, and they said, unless you're circumcised, according to the law of Moses, you can't be saved. So he calls them mutilators of the flesh. He says, for it is we who are of the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit. He said, those of us who serve God by, his, by the Holy Spirit, by, by serving and worshiping his son, Jesus Christ, he says, we're, we're the ones, we're the real Jews. Not those who go around cutting a man's foreskin off of his penis and then, you know, boasting in himself because he's got, you know, 30 men that he's circumcised. He says, we are the true Jews. We who are of the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit who boast in Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? He says, those of us who boast in Jesus Christ, we're the real righteous ones, if you will. And then he's going to explain how. He said, we who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. See, when you trust in Jesus Christ and his righteousness, you put no confidence in your own efforts. You put no confidence in the flesh. Paul says, now, though I myself have reasons for such confidence, Paul said, now, I got some, I got some street cred. I got some credentials here. I got some alpha, Paul, Paul in essence is saying, I got some alphabet behind my name. <laughs> and he, he's going to talk about, he's going to talk about the alphabet soup that's behind his name. 
PhD, THD, you know, uh, he, he said, he said, I was the man. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day. In Jewish law, a Jewish boy had to be circumcised on the eighth day, including Jesus. He was circumcised on the eighth day. In Jewish law, if you, if you didn't circumcise that boy on the eighth day, somebody was in trouble. That person would be cut off from the Jewish nation. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. Remember, there were 12 tribes. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. And one of the sons was Benjamin. I believe he was the last one born. He was Rachel's boy. Remember, Rachel died in childbirth, and, uh, and Benjamin was the child she had when she died in childbirth. Of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, he said, I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Paul is saying, I got some cred here. I got some credentials here. I got a resume. In regard to the law, I was a Pharisee. The Pharisee, the word Pharisee means separated ones. They were those who felt that they knew the interpretation of the law of Moses. The only problem was they, they, put, they stacked their own traditions on top of the law of Moses. They, Jesus said they made the word of God of none effect because they stacked their own traditions on top of the word of God, which at that time would have been the Jewish Bible. So he says, uh, and regarding the law, I was a Pharisee. As for zeal, I persecuted the church. I just talked about that. He persecuted the church even unto strange cities. I persecuted the church. As for righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. See, he's leading up to the point that all that stuff did him no good. It was good for bragging rights and for patting himself on the back. But as far as being accepted in God's sight, it, it meant nothing. He's going he's gonna to explain why right here. He says, but whatsoever, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. See, he, he says all that stuff. I was a Hebrew of the Hebrew. I was of the tribe of Benjamin. I was a, um, a Pharisee. He was the son of a Pharisee, even though he doesn't mention it right here. I was the son of a Pharisee. I sat at Gamaliel's feet. He doesn't mention that right here. But he sat at Gamaliel's feet, the great you know, Jewish teacher. I sat at Gamaliel's feet. I was the man. I had alphabet soup. I had a PhD in, you know, in systematic theology. I spoke Hebrew, Greek, Latin, uh, uh, um, Hebrew, Greek, Latin. Uh, what's the, uh, I'm missing one. Aramaic, which is like a dialect within the, uh, Hebrew language. I was the man. I was the BMOC. I was the big man on campus. He says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. See, now he's found Jesus. Jesus arrested him on the road to Damascus. And Paul is saying all that stuff that I boasted about and I had on my resume, in my iPad, he says all that stuff now that I've found Christ means nothing. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He's saying, now that I know Jesus, all that other stuff, he's going to use the word. I don't know what word he's going to use here because this is the NIV. But if you read the King James Version, he says, I consider all that stuff, all that stuff dung, D-U-N-G, dung, bowel movement, refuse, waste. 
for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord. He says that in the King James. Now, I'm reading the NIV right here. He says, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. What he's saying is, my righteousness meant nothing once I met Jesus. That, that's what he's saying. My, righteous meant, my righteousness meant nothing. All, the, all those accomplishments I had, all that genealogical uh, uh, cred that I had, you know, I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews of the tribe of Benjamin. See, you had to be able, especially as a man, you had to be able to trace your genealogy. You had to be able to. You had to be able to trace your genealogy. That's why when the Jewish temple was destroyed in 70 AD by the Romans, after that, the Jews couldn't trace their genealogy because the temple was destroyed. And that's where all the, all the genealogical records were kept. So even today, most Jews cannot trace their genealogy because the temple was destroyed. Point is, God is saying, forget all that genealogical stuff. Come and worship me in spirit and truth. Don't, don't worry about what tribe you're from. God knows where the real Jews are. He knows the true Jews because God knows everything. But most Jews today really can't trace their genealogy. From what I've been told, uh, there, there are a couple of names here in the United States where the people can possibly trace their genealogy if they have the last name of like Cohen, C-O-H-E-N, Cohen, uh, Levi. A couple of those people can trace. And that, that's what I've been told by a, a if you remember, I went out to Dallas, Texas uh, over a year ago to a, um, um, a conference and there's a Jewish scholar out there. He's a Christian. He's a Messianic Jew. He's a, he's a Jewish Christian. And he talked about that. But most Jews cannot trace their genealogy because the temple was destroyed by, Rome, by the Romans in 70 AD by Titus. Flavius Titus and the Roman legions destroyed the temple. And when, he, and when they destroyed the temple, they destroyed all the genealogical records. But you had to be able to prove your genealogy for legal reasons, etc., inheritance reasons, etc., Remember when Jesus was born, if you remember um, in, at the beginning of Matthew, it, it gives his genealogy through the tribe of Judah, the house of David, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, down through King Solomon, etc. But once the temple was destroyed, the genealogies were destroyed. But anyway, Paul says, uh, he says, uh, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. He says, I've lost all things. See, we preach today that if you're a true Christian, you're going to gain, 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 gain. We call it the prosperity gospel. Gain, get, gain, get, get, gain, gain, get, gain, gain. Paul says right here, for Jesus Christ, I've lost all things. Now, Paul wouldn't be considered a good Christian today because he said, I've lost all things. The gospel today, if you want to call it the gospel, I don't. It's all about get, get, as Reverend Ike said, getting out of the ghetto and getting into the get mo. <laughs> get, 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 gain, 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 gain. Bible says, Paul said, be, 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 stay away from people who, who, who suppose gain is godliness. Paul said to Timothy, from such turn away. Stay away from people who equate get, 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 get with godliness because the two don't necessarily go together. Paul said from such people turn away who say that 
in order for you to be considered a good Christian or acceptable in God's sight, you got to be uh, uh, wealthy. That's not true because most Christians in the world, most Christians are poor, especially when you go outside the United States. The average income in Kenya, Africa, is about $300 a year. Most of us could go to the bank right now and, and, and get $300 uh, out, of, out of our checking account or savings account. We could cash app somebody $300 if we had to. But in Kenya, where there are a lot of believers, the average income is about $300. Most Christians are poor. Not all. There are many wealthy Christians who love the Lord Jesus Christ. But most Christians in the world are relatively poor. The wealthiest people in the world generally are not Christians. The wealthiest people in the world are generally Jewish and um, Muslim. In those Muslim nations like Saudi Arabia. They're the wealthiest people. So go figure. <laughs> right? So Paul says, uh, Paul says, I consider those things garbage. This, this Bible uses the word garbage. Paul says, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Did you hear that? Paul is saying that my relationship with Jesus, my thirst for Jesus, outweighs everything else. He says, I consider those things that I just mentioned, all the cred I had, all my, that resume. He says, I consider those things garbage, that I may gain Christ. Did you hear that? Now, now listen to what he says here. This is going to tie into our lesson. Remember the, remember the Pharisee in the parable says, I, 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 I don't do this. I tithe. I'm not a gang. I'm not a mafia type uh, extortioner. I'm not a gangbanger. I'm not an adulterer. I don't do this. I, I pay tithes and all that. I, 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 he, he mentioned I five times. That's why the name of this lesson is five eyes yet still blind. I, 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 I. But Paul says right here, Paul says, I consider those things that were gained to me. He said, I consider them garbage. That I may gain Christ. You hear that? And be found in him. Now, I'm going to circle this because this Bible is relatively new to me. So I haven't had a chance to really write in it. He says that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own. That's that's the whole just of what I'm talking about. Not having a righteousness which is my own that comes from the law. What law is he talking about? The law of Moses. He's saying the law of Moses cannot produce a righteousness that God accepts because now that Christ has come, Christ has come and fulfilled the law and the prophets. So we cannot satisfy God by still trying to keep the law of Moses. So we've got even people today who think they're keeping the law of Moses. They're not keeping the law of Moses because there were over 600 commandments. And if you didn't keep all of them, you didn't keep any of them. So we got people today who say, well, you have to go to church on Saturday. It's the Sabbath. Well, that's fine if you want to go to church on Saturday. There's nothing wrong with that. But don't tell other people they're wrong because they don't go to church on Saturday. Because you may be going to church on Saturday, but you're not keeping up 600 and something other commandments that are in the law of Moses. Here's an easy way out. You don't have to do that. You just have to worship God through his son, Jesus Christ, who already fulfilled the law and the prophets. Christ, the Bible says in Romans 10 and 4, I read that scripture last week. Christ is the fulfillment of the law for all who believe. Romans 10 and 4. 
If I get a chance, if I don't forget, I'll, I'll read it to you again this evening before we close. Paul says, I consider those things garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. But that which is through faith in Christ. Notice he's exalting Jesus Christ. He's exalting Jesus Christ. He's exalting Jesus Christ. He's exalting Jesus Christ. He's not exalting his own efforts. He's not exalting his own accomplishments. Remember, he said, I was a Hebrew of the Hebrew. He knew what tribe he was from, unlike most Jews today. He said, I was of the tribe of Benjamin. I said, you had to, you had to be able to prove what tribe you came from to claim inheritance, etc., he said, I was of the tribe of Benjamin, the warrior tribe, the same tribe that the first king of Israel came out of, Saul, first king of Israel. The, the tribe of Benjamin, that was, that was the thug tribe. <laughs> that was the warrior tribe. You don't, that was the Nuck tribe. Remember that? Remember when you were growing up, there was a family on your street, and if you, if you fought one of them, you had to fight all eight, nine, ten brothers and sisters? There was a, it, was only, it was that family that, it was a Nuckin family. <laughs> Benjamin was the was the Nuckin tribe, you know, Nuck to you, Buck. It was, it was the Nuck tribe. Yeah, Paul said, I came out of the tribe of Benjamin. Don't play with me. But he said, those things that were gained to me, I counted as loss for the excellency of the of the of the righteousness that comes through faith, not through works, through faith in Jesus Christ. Then he says, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Does not the Bible say the just shall live by faith? Of course it does. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. He says, now watch what he says here in Philippians 3.10. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. And participation in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. Paul is saying all that other stuff that I thought was so important is no longer important. He says, I want to know Jesus. I don't want to just know about him. I don't want to just flirt with knowledge about him. He says, I want to know him. Now, this is Philippians. This is what's called a prison epistle. Paul wrote several of his letters from prison. Philippians was one of them. It's a prison epistle, a prison letter. He's in jail saying, I want to know Jesus. He's not in jail saying, I want to get out of here. And I want to go home and watch my 80-inch uh, TV. You know, and uh, he's saying, he's in prison. And I, ain't, I ain't talking about a nice prison like you might see today. A little nice little prison with air conditioning in it. And from ping pong tables. He's in a Roman prison, probably a dungeon, chained to a Roman guard. And he says, from that Roman prison, he says, he pins the letter to the Philippian Christians. He says, I want to know Jesus. I don't want to just know about him. I don't, I don't want to just have religion. I don't want to just have grandma's religion. I don't, just, I don't want to just have mama's religion or grandpa's religion. He says, I want to know him. I want to know Christ, he says. Yes, he says, I want to know Christ to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Paul says, I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection, but I also want to participate in his suffering. 
He's saying, I don't want to just, I don't want to just know. I don't, I don't want to just be with Jesus during the good times. I don't want to just sit on his right hand in glory. As important as that is. He says, I want to know him in the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the King James. And I'll, I'll read the NASB to you in a second. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'll read part of it. King James says, and the fellowship of his suffering. Paul is saying he's, he's in prison. He's in prison writing this. He's not, he's not sitting at a desk like I am right now. I got three iPads in front of me. I got an iPhone in front of me. I got a ceiling fan over me. I got the, uh, you know, I got, I'm, I'm in relative comfort. Paul is in prison, probably chained to a Roman guard. And if he's not writing it, somebody else is dictating it. One of his secretaries possibly one of his protégés is dictating this is uh, is writing the letter as he's dictating it but he's chained to a roman guard and he says i want to know jesus my 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 how different we are today most of us will be saying get me out of here <laughs> we'd be saying get me out of here where's my lawyer where's my writ of habeas corpus he says i want to know jesus I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. And so, somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Not that I already have obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. To take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, he says, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. And this is a very familiar passage coming up right here. He says, but one thing I do. He says, forgetting what is behind. He's saying all that other stuff that I mentioned, all those, all the PhD in, in, in theology. and all. He says, I'm forgetting about all that because right now, Jesus Christ is the most important thing in my life. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on. Are you pressing on for Christ? In the midst of your troubles and your tribulations, are you pressing on for Christ? Paul's writing from prison. He says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let me read from the, the New American Standard Bible. Paul says, beware of the dogs. He wasn't meaning literal dogs that bark, you know, pit bulls. He was talking about people who opposed the gospel. People who were persecuting Paul. Paul had been a persecutor. Now he's on the other side of the fence. And there are people, the same people he used to run with, if you read Acts chapter 9, the same people he used to run with, when he became a Christian, they tried to kill him. Paul had to be let down in a bread basket on the side of a wall. He had to be let down by the wall. He had, they had to Shawshank him. He had to have a Shawshank, a Shawshank escape. Right <laughs> to the Lamb of God. Paul said, beware of these religious dogs. I'll just put the word religious in there so you'll know he's not talking about pit bulls and Dobermans. Beware of these religious dogs. 
Beware of evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision. Jesus called them the synagogue of Satan. If you read the book of Revelation, Jesus called these Jews who didn't believe in him and who were persecuting his people, Jesus called them the synagogue of Satan. Jesus didn't pull any punches. Jesus couldn't pastor most churches today because the board would ask him to resign after he, after he called those false Jews. They were really Jews, but they weren't believers in Jesus. He called them the synagogue of Satan. He couldn't pastor most churches today, right? Beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision. For we are the true circumcision who worship in the spirit. Remember Jesus said in John chapter 4 that God is a spirit and those who worship him uh, must worship him in spirit and truth. Well, Paul is saying the same thing right here some years later. He says, beware of the false circumcision, for we are the true circumcision who worship in the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus. You hear that? And glory in Christ Jesus. And put no confidence in the flesh. Did you hear that? If anyone ha else has a reason or a mind to put confidence in the flesh, Paul says, I fire more Then he's going to give his credentials. Circumcised the eighth day as all Jewish boys had to be of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. I was from the tribe of Benjamin. I was from the warrior tribe, the Nuck, the Nuck till you buck tribe. Of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. He said, I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. If anybody was a Jew, Paul said it was me. I was the BMOC. I was the man. I was the big man on campus. As to the law, I was a Pharisee. As to zeal, I persecuted the church. As to the righteousness which is in the law, I was blameless. I kept the law. The law said it, I did it. But the law was never intended to save us. The law, the Bible says the law was never, God never intended the law to save us. The law was added because of sin. So that sin, the Bible says, and I don't want to go into a lengthy discussion about this tonight. The law was added so that man would be more um, cognizant of his sin. Because there were a lot of sins committed before the law of Moses was given, and God didn't say anything about it. I'll give you one example, then I'm going to move on for the sake of time. After uh, God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, and Lot came out of Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot's daughters said, look, we don't have any, um, you know, we don't have any offspring. Lot's daughters got, his, got him drunk and had sex with him. And had children by their father. Now, once the law of Moses came along, if you did that, you were in deep trouble. Because we call that today, we call it incest. But both of Lot's daughters got their daddy drunk. Um, went to bed with him. And got pregnant by him. They became the uh, Moabites, and I want to say the other the other group, um, I can't remember, but one of them was the Moabites, the Ammonites, yeah, the Moabites and the Ammonites. But because the law of Moses had not yet been written, the Bible says where there's no law, there's no sin. It doesn't mean there's no sin, it means there's no record kept of it. It would kind of be like you driving down the highway. If there's no sign that says 65 miles an hour, Technically, you haven't broken the law because there's no sign that says 65 miles an hour. So the officer cannot pull you over because there's no sign that says um, um, 35, 
there's no sign that says 65 miles an hour. So if you do 80 miles an hour on that stretch of highway, the officer cannot pull you over because there's no sign that says, there's no law that says 65 miles an hour. Well, that's the same as it was with the law of Moses. And then, and then God brought the law of Moses in and gave, gave the law to Moses at Mount Sinai. And then the law said, you, you can't go around having sex with your close relatives and stuff like that. So the point I'm making is that the law was never intended to save us. It, the Bible says the law was added as a schoolmaster to discipline, to lead, and to guide until the time that Jesus Christ came into the world. If you read Galatians chapter 4, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, talking about Jesus, made of a woman, of a virgin, you know, a God impregnated a virgin, Mary, made of a woman, made under the law. You see that? To redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. So the law of Moses was, God never, God never intended the law of Moses to be our salvation. It was put there temporarily. It would kind of be like that donut. I saw a car today that had a donut wheel on it. It was a nice Chevrolet Impala or something. But I looked at the front right tire as it was going down the street and it had a donut. That donut is temporary. You're not going from Georgia to Washington, D.C. with a donut. <laughs> that donut might be good for 50 miles. But you're not going from Georgia to Washington with a donut on your, on your car. That donut is just meant to get you until you can get to the, the tire place and, and get a, a real tire. Well, the law of Moses was the donut. It was temporary to carry the people along. To bring discipline to them, to show them how exceedingly sinful man is and how exceedingly righteous God is. Matter of fact, the Bible says, if you read the book of Romans, that the law, actually when the law came in, the law actually, in a certain sense, although the law was holy, it magnified the sin that's within us. And I'm going to give you an example, then I'll move on. Suppose you're going out of town. And you put a sign, you put signs all around your house. One sign says at your liquor cabinet, one sign says, uh, stay away from, uh, from the cognac, stay away from the gin, gin or whatever. Another sign says, uh, in your cat and you put another sign on your cabinet and these signs are for your children. Another sign says there's weed in here. Don't go in here because <laughs> there's Mexico's finest weed is in here. Don't go in here. Another sign says there's cocaine here in this closet. Stay out. You got all these signs. Another sign says there's $300 in this safe. Stay out. By putting all those signs there for your children to see, you've really stirred up their desire to participate in those sins. That's the best analogy I can give you. So the law was never meant to save us. The righteousness of the law cannot save us. Only the righteousness of Jesus who perfectly fulfilled the law. Because Jesus wasn't a sinner. He wasn't born in sin. He wasn't born of, with a stain of sin on his soul like you were and like I was. 
So when you put those signs all around your house, there's weed in here. Don't don't go in here. Well, your children going to want to by the fact that that sign is there, you going and they know you're going to be out of town for the next week. They're going to want to go in there and get some of that weed, get Mexico's finest. Or you say there's cocaine in here. Pure uncut Colombian cocaine. Stay out. You're, 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 you're stirring up that desire within them. And so the law was holy, but the Bible says the law also created a desire for man to sin. I know that sounds strange, but if you read Romans, it, 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 it becomes clear to you. And that's the best analogy I can, I can give you. But the law was never intended to save us. The law was intended to be, the Bible calls in Galatians, the Bible says the law is a schoolmaster. What does a schoolmaster do? Leads, guides, teaches, disciplines. The law was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. The law was that donut. That donut on the car is not meant to take you from here, from Georgia or New York or Washington to California. A donut is not going to do that. That donut, now when I was growing up, it was a real spare tire. They put a real spare tire in the trunk. It was just like the other tires. But you know... <laughs> Now, now for the last 20 years or so, they, they put a donut in there. And the donut is meant to be a 50-mile tire. The law was that donut. Not meant to be permanent. But now that Jesus Christ has come, when you know him and you trust in him for your salvation, you don't have to depend on your own righteousness. That's what Paul is saying. You depend on the righteousness that's in God's dear son. Paul said, I was a... I was circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. As to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, I was a persecutor of the church. As to the righteousness which is in the law, you hear that? Blameless. But he says, but what, what, whatever things were gained to me, Paul said, those things I have counted as lost, that's relationship. You're not going to say something like that unless you got that relationship with Jesus. You're not going to say, but what things were gained to me, those, are, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. That's how tight his relationship with Jesus was. And remember I said, Paul is writing this from prison. This is, this is one of what's called his prison epistles. He's writing this from prison. He's not, again, he's not sitting at a nice desk, you know, with a bunch of uh, um, diplomas on the wall and a couple of bookcases, and, you know, nice, pretty secretary, and, you know, pretty woman, you know, his secretary bringing him coffee and stuff. I'm sure he had some privileges because the Lord gave him favor to have some privileges when he was in prison, but he's not, he's not in the best situation. He's in prison for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, he, he, he would end up dying at Nero's chopping block. The, the Roman emperor Nero cut his head off and crucified Peter, both around the same time. Most of the apostles died for Jesus. The only one we are told that did not die a martyr's death is the apostle John, the one who, who, who wrote uh, the Gospel of John and Revelation, etc., Paul says, whatever things were gained to me, those I have counted for the loss of, for the, as loss for the sake of Christ. 
He says, more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss. Paul said, I've suffered the loss of all things. Paul wouldn't be considered a good Christian today in many circles, because in many circles, if you're losing things, you're considered a Christian failure. Something's wrong with your faith. You didn't pray the right prayer. You didn't, you didn't use the right formula. In many Christian circles today, and especially in the prosperity, name it and claim it, the word of faith movement, Paul would be considered a failure because Paul said, more than that, I count all things to be lost. In view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss, Paul said, I've lost all things. And count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ, and that I may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own. That's, that's the only point I'm trying to make to you. Not having a righteous, excuse me, a righteousness of my own derived from the law. He keeps saying the law is not sufficient for me to be righteous in God's sight. Not having a righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. If you want to be righteous in God's sight, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. What else, sir? Nothing else. You say it can't be that easy. What might we do to work the works of God? Some people came to Jesus and said, believe on him whom he has sent. What must I do to work for my salvation? You can't work for your salvation. Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He has washed it white as snow. See, man it wants to work for his salvation so he can brag and boast and say, yeah, I, I worked for myself. It's kind of like a job. When you work all week or two weeks, I know as teachers we get paid twice a month. And we expect that direct deposit to be made twice a month. And if it's not made, somebody's going to have some problems. <laughs> See, because we've worked. I've taught these kids every day, five days a week, these hard-headed kids. Now put my check in that direct deposit into the bank, Bank of America. Because I've worked. I'm boasting. You can't boast about coming to Jesus because he's already paid the price. So there's no boasting in man's, for by grace we are saved through faith in Jesus. And that not of ourselves, it's a gift of God. Not of works, you hear that? Lest any man should boast. You can't boast about your salvation in Jesus. We're saved to do good works. We're not saved by our works. You can't be. Now other religions preach works. You know, you have to work to reach nirvana and a state of, you know, holiness and all. That, those are other religions. Christianity says, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, what he did at the cross. Remember the thief on the cross? He said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. By the fact that he said, Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom, that means he believed that Jesus was going to live after dying on that cross. Because Jesus was on the cross just like he was. And, and, and the thief on the cross said, Lord, we deserve to be here. You don't deserve to be here. Remember me 
when you come in your kingdom. He confessed that Jesus is a king and that he's going to rise from the dead. Because he said, remember me when you come. Because Jesus was on the cross with those nails holding him to the cross just like the thieves were. So this man confessed with his mouth and believed in his heart that Jesus is Lord and that he was going to be raised from the dead. Jesus said, well, you know, Jesus didn't say, you know, I'm not going to be able to save you because you're on that cross. You're not going to be able to do any works. So I'm not going to be able to save you because you No, Jesus said, I say to you this day, you shall be with me in paradise. Hear that? Because the man said, Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. So Paul says, uh, I'm, not, I'm not trusting in my own righteousness derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. That I may know him. Paul says, I want to know him. I know I got a PhD in systematic theology. I know I speak Hebrew, Aramaic, Greek, and Latin. I know that I sat at the feet of Gamaliel, the great Jewish uh, scholar. I know that I'm a Pharisee and I'm the son of a Pharisee. I know that I got all these credentials. I got all these alphabets after my name, PhD, THD, MDiv. You've seen all that. Paul says, but I want to know Jesus. And not just Jesus on a picture, not just uh, not just Jesus on a picture on a wall in a church with a little blood trickling down his forehead, which is a false representation of what happened to him at the cross. Paul says, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. Remember, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And the, oh, and the fellowship of his sufferings. You see, if we were honest, we would admit we want to know Jesus in the power of his resurrection. But how many of us want to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings? See, the disciples, James and John, their mother came to Jesus one day and said, I want, I want you know how mothers are with their children. They said, uh, this mother said, I want my boys, James and John, to sit on your right hand and on your left hand in your kingdom. You know how mamas are. You know, mamas want what's best for their children, right? I want my boys. <laughs> and Jesus listened patiently. I want my boys to sit on your right hand and your left hand in your kingdom. See, mama wanted her boys to, to know the power of his resurrection. Jesus said, can your boys drink of the cup that I'm a drink of? Cup of suffering. Can your boys be baptized with the baptism that I'm about to undergo? He wasn't talking about baptism in the pool. He's talking about the baptism of suffering. See, mama wanted boy, mama wanted the boys to experience the power of the kingdom, the glory, the, 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 the you know, sitting in a special place in the kingdom, one on the right hand of Jesus and one on the left. Paul said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Let me ask you this, and I'm also asking myself, do you want to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings? Because you're not going to, and I'm speaking about myself too. I'm not letting myself off the hook. You're not going to know, you're not going to be conformed to the image of Jesus unless you suffer. Sorry. You're not going to be, even the guy on the cross, 
Listen to this, what I'm going to say to you. We're going to close in a minute. Even the thief on the cross, after he accepted Jesus, and Jesus said to him, you're going to be with me. This day I say to you, you're going to be with me in paradise. Even after that, that man had to be broken, not to be saved, because when Jesus said, you're going to be with me in paradise, that sealed the salvation deal. But when the Roman soldiers, what they would often do is, when people were hanging on the cross, the Roman soldiers would come and break their legs to speed up death. And, and the Roman soldiers broke that 